If you are looking to continue developing your coaching skills or have a new coach that you'd like to train or onboard, check out our upcoming activity coaching clinics. We are hosting both our basics and advanced clinics every Monday for our basics clinic and Tuesday for our advanced clinic from 1.30 to 3 Central Standard Time. It runs October 2nd through November 6th, and you can learn more and register at heatherpriceconsulting.com. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Activity Coaching Conversations with Heather and Sabina, where we discuss coaching strategies for the overachievers, the slow starters, and everyone in between. We're going to share everything we know about instilling early success habits, the science behind activity, and how to build a values-based, FR-centered coaching philosophy. Activity Coaching Conversations is all about balancing accountability with the art and science of coaching. Welcome back, everyone. As always, we're excited you're here listening and learning. Today, we're going to talk about beliefs. Now, don't get worried. We're not talking specifically about religious or political beliefs that might have popped into your head, but I'm talking about the core beliefs that you hold so deeply that you often don't even realize it. This is a big, big topic with a lot of different perspectives. So we're going to narrow it down a little to a definition we can work with, a look at where beliefs are primarily formed, and a discussion of how those beliefs affect how we do our job. And finally, five specific key areas where you can help your FRs examine and clarify their own beliefs. But first, let's define belief. You know I love a good dictionary definition. I'm just a dictionary mm -hmm. nerd. So I'm going to give you a couple of definitions. The first definition for beliefs is that beliefs are the mental act, condition, or habit of placing trust or confidence in a person or thing. The second definition relates more to our topic today, and that definition is beliefs are your conviction in the truth or actuality of something. So think about it this way. Our core beliefs are the convictions we hold to be true about ourselves, other people, and the world we live in. They're the things that we hold to be absolute truths, and they inform the rules we live by, whether consciously or not. We believe them so deeply that often we assume others must believe the same things we do because we can't imagine anything different. I mean, they've gotten us where we are, right? They form our life platform. So, of course, you know, how many times do you ever find yourself thinking, well, if you just thought like I did, um, <laughs> I find myself thinking that a lot. <laughs> so, people would just believe what I believe. But let's look at a couple of examples just to give you, just to give you some perspective. So, first of all, if you live in Illinois, Iowa, or New Hampshire, you do not have to wear a helmet when you're riding a motorcycle. Yet, if you're driving around, you still see some people in those states wearing a helmet. Now, what causes them to put on a helmet when they're not required to do so by law? Right? Uh, what, yeah. what would that, when you think about that, what is that? That's their belief. It's their belief, um, whether it's a belief in safety, whether it's a belief that it's ridiculous to ride a motorcycle without a helmet, doesn't, I mean, that's just a belief. Whereas in other states where you are required to wear a helmet, you will sometimes still see people riding around without one. So what causes them to hop on and drive with blatant disregard for the law? So what underlies both of those scenarios are beliefs 
right? So beliefs will often transcend whatever's legal. I mean, why do some people just refuse to pay taxes? You know, they have a deep belief about certain things. Now, let's look at an example that's more relevant to our business, to the financial services business. Why do some people pay for all of their kids' college education while other people think their kids should be responsible for paying a portion or all of their own college education? Is one way right? Is one way wrong? And I like to use that example in talking about beliefs because sometimes when an an FR is taking the fact finder, depending on what happened in their life and their college education, that's going to color how they ask those questions a little bit around college education because it might be, and they might have a reaction when someone says, oh no, my kid, I paid my way through school. That's good enough for my kid also versus just really getting information. So beliefs really color how we do our job. Our beliefs define our actions. And as I mentioned before, the rules we live by, but how do we form them? Where do these deeply held convictions come from? Are we born that way? Well, I'm glad you asked. So (laughs) there are actually four main generators of beliefs. The first and most potent generator of beliefs is, is environment. And while it's true that there are some great stories about people who overcome a hostile or harsh environment growing up and they succeed at a high level, those stories tend to be the exception and not the rule. They're kind of like something we talk about a lot, where reps who succeeded despite only paying for four lives in their first six months, it's not something you can build a whole system around, right? We love the hero stories and they're great. They're inspirational but they're often the exception and not the rule. And you can't always build a system around them. We tend to mythologize those exceptions and then try to apply them to everybody because we hear these anomalies so often that we start to think they're more prevalent than they actually are. I think about plane crashes, right? Like you hear about them when they happen, they're big and dramatic and you hear so much about them. You think they happen a lot more frequently than they actually do. Right. Like when people used to say, oh, flying a plane is actually uh, or, you know, flying in a plane is actually safer than than driving your car down the highway. I was like, that can't be true. Look at all these planes that crash. Uh, But when you really dig into it, in fact, not very many plane crashes actually occur. So. And so just to uh, you know, bring that down personally, I was fortunate to grow up in an environment where hard work was valued. So I've always had a, a strong work ethic and more importantly, a strong conviction or belief about work ethic. I spent a lot of my early days coaching, trying to turn people who weren't hard workers and maybe didn't have, because maybe they didn't have that environment growing up into people who were. Spoiler alert, it didn't work. (laughs) By the time people get to you, they're fully formed adults and they either have a strong work ethic or they don't. So I struggled to accept that fact because work ethic was a part of the very fabric of my being. So Heather, any beliefs that you hold like that, that are, that you found actually kind of color how you coach people or what you expect from people? Oh, that's a good question. Yes, I think work ethic is one of them. I think respect is another one, follow through. Having said that, though, I think as important 
as the belief is the definition of the belief. And what I mean by that is you can have two people that mm-hmm. have the same belief, but if they have two definitions of that belief, that could be an issue, right? So like you might believe that hard work, you know, is, is mm-hmm. very important. And I might believe that hard work is very important too. But based on the environment that you grew up in, your definition of hard work might look different than my definition of hard work based on how right. I grew up. So sure. I think as equally important um, as the belief itself is the definition each person's own definition of that belief. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And that's why, you know, go back to one of our earlier episodes about asking questions, why asking questions is so important. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, realizing just exactly what you said and then asking questions around that. What does hard work mean to you? Um, Because you're right. Different definitions um, inform different behaviors. Um, So the second place where our beliefs are formed is through events. You know, we all have positive, negative, and sometimes neutral events, but mostly positive or negative um, that shape what we believe. And so I'll, again, use a, my own example. For, I trained for and ran my one and only marathon <laughs> over 20 years ago. I mean, I just wanted to see if I could do it because I've never been an athlete. I've never been a runner, but I've always been an avid reader. So the first thing I did was uh, look for a book right? Because that's just the first thing I always do. Um, Because I believe there's nothing that can't be solved by a good book. Mm -hmm. Um, And I found one actually called the Non-Runners Marathon Trainer. Um, I mean, talk about the title telling you exactly what it is. It laid out a step-by-step program for people who don't run, but want to do a marathon. I also believe in following a program when you're brand new to something. Hmm, where to find such a thing in this business? <laughs> um, but I digress. Um, I followed their program to the T. I did everything they said, and I finished the Marine Corps Marathon in Washington, D.C. in October of 2000. Another spoiler alert, I did not win, um, <laughs> but that was never my goal. My goal was to finish. <laughs> and that event changed my belief about what I thought I could or couldn't do. Because after I did that, the one the thing I never thought I could do, I started to think, hmm, well, I didn't think I could run a marathon and I did that. So what else am I limiting myself on by thinking I can't do it? So that's kind of an example or a way that events can, can shape and change your beliefs. The third generator of our beliefs is knowledge. A lack of information can inform our beliefs just as newly learned information can shape them. This is probably the weakest link of the four areas, though, because knowledge is everywhere, especially in this information age. And most of us have the information we need to succeed, right? We know what we need to do. We just don't do it. (laughs) But sometimes we don't have the information. And once we get our hands on it, whole worlds can open up. And so that's why, um, again, another of my beliefs, and I know, Heather, you share this too, is learning and growing. That's, you know, those are two words you'll hear throughout every beginning and ending of every podcast, you know, is learning and growing because that's that's how knowledge shapes your beliefs. And the fourth generator of beliefs is past outcomes. Often positive outcomes lead to stronger beliefs about something and negative outcomes can sometimes limit beliefs. And sometimes it just depends on which of those occurs more often. It's one of the reasons we like to recommend that, a you know, when an an FR is doing their phoning, that they finish their phoning on a positive note after setting an appointment, because then the most recent past outcome is positive. And they're more likely to remember that in that, you know, the law of recency, they're most likely to remember that and and be more motivated when they pick up the phone again. So, Heather, anything you want to add to or examples of any of those areas of belief for you? Uh, I am just thinking in general, this idea of, you know, kind of weighing and comparing how 
deeply rooted some beliefs can be based on our background and how we grew Mm -hmm. up and they really just are a part of who we are. And at the same time, realizing that we can change our beliefs, right? Based on, you know, some of the things that you Mm -hmm. you shared, I mean, certain events in our life can help us realize that, oh, maybe my belief can be changed, right? Or you get all of a sudden you have new knowledge and it's like, oh, Mm -hmm. wait, it's challenging my belief. And that's a really healthy, good thing. There's so much great uh, content yes. out there right now on overcoming limiting beliefs. And I think I love reading up on that because mm-hmm. we see this in our coaching all of the time. I mean, how many new FRs come in and they just don't believe they can do it, right? Or they think they can, but they're not sure. And there's just so much room in this space for incorporating this into coaching, which I love. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And when you think about, again, when we talked about the success cycle a few episodes ago, you know, that first step is always disbelief, right? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if I can do this. Yeah. Um, and that's where your belief and conviction in that person that you're coaching can carry the day. And so it, it's, you know, your belief in other people um, is so powerful. I, I always tell people, um, I probably say this five times a week, never underestimate the power of the words, I believe in you. Now you actually have to for that you to have work. to be sincere Correct. about it. Yes. I always feel the need to, to say that for that to work. So, yes. okay, well, let's bring this conversation to down to the financial services business, like the very specific business. I learned several decades ago at this point that there were really five key areas in which it was important to define your beliefs for clarity in this very difficult business. And those beliefs are in the area of the company you represent, your beliefs about the company you represent, your beliefs about the products you have at your disposal, your beliefs about your value as a coach or for your FRs, their belief in themselves as an advisor, their beliefs about a system of organization and activity, and finally, your beliefs about goal attainment, not goal setting. Everybody believes in goal setting, right? But actually attaining those goals. So for example, one of my deeply held beliefs about Northwestern Mutual is that they will work to pay claims that other companies would deny. I heard stories, saw actual examples early and often. Um, So my belief was formed early and often. This comes from years of hearing client stories and then the 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 amazing experience of how Northwestern dispersed benefits after 9-11 without even having a death certificate sometimes. I mean, that is, I I always tell people they are a company that will pay the claims that other companies are looking to deny. And, And so that is a deeply held belief for me about the company. So rather than just run through those five key areas, we're going to role play them in our Say That Again segment. Heather is going to play the FR, and I'm going to ask her some questions about these key areas of belief so you get an idea of how that conversation might go. Sounds good. Say Say that that again. 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 Hi, Heather. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Thanks. Yeah, it's been a, it's it's hump day. Good. (laughs) Right in the middle of the week. Yeah, I know. Um, so in this meeting today, I know we talked, we've been talking about beliefs. So I'm going to ask you some questions about um, five key areas. And I want you to think about how you would articulate your beliefs in these particular areas. Does that sound good? Sure. Yeah, that sounds good. Okay. So the first area is about your company, the Northwestern Mutual. What beliefs do you hold about Northwestern? And where do you think those beliefs come from? Oh, um, I mean, I just believe they're a world-class company. Um, they're known for quality. Um, they're known for follow-through, good values. Those are just all 
things that come to mind. In terms of where my beliefs come from around the company, I grew up outside the Milwaukee area and their home office, you know, is right in Milwaukee. And so growing up, it was always, you just, they've done so much for the community. They give back so much and you drive downtown and you see those beautiful mm -hmm. tall buildings and they've just always had such a phenomenal reputation. Um, you hear about that initial story of how they began in Janesville and the train, um, the train accident and all of those things. And those are places yep. that I have been. And so, um, I don't know, I just connect with who they are and, um, their rich history, um, their tenure for how long they've been around their reputation for being a great company, et cetera. Those are the first things that come to mind anyway at surface level. Okay. That's great. The second area is about the products. What beliefs do you hold about the products that you have? And if, if it helps to frame it this way, what do you believe people should do with their money and in what order should they do it? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, in terms of beliefs that I hold about the products, I mean, again, world-class products, um, quality products. Uh, I own a lot of them. So I think my belief is definitely there. You know, I've, I've had a policy Definitely. since yep. I was a kid. I bought some as an intern, um, you know, in college, and I've continued to purchase throughout my career. So my belief would be really strong um, in terms of, you know, what do you believe people should do with their money? I mean, I can answer that, but I also think it's up to them to decide that. But for me personally, I mean, sure. I think there should be some diversification, but I think it needs to start right with the pyramid and start with risk first um, and then work work our way up. I'm just a big believer in addressing the risk aspect of it as well. Also a big believer in um, whole life. I know some of my colleagues that I work with, their belief just isn't as much there for the life insurance side of that. And I really struggle with it just because I've seen, I've seen the amazing impact those products can have in somebody's life. Um, so yeah. Mm -hmm. Is that what you're, is that kind of what you're getting okay. at? Yep. That's what I was, that's what I was looking for. Okay. Because when you, when you present things to people, you tend to present them in the order in which you believe they should be accomplished. Mm, sure. Um, so, so I think it's important for you to clarify your financial philosophy in order to um, be effective in the marketplace. Um, okay. The third area is what beliefs do you hold about your value as an advisor? In other words, why would people choose you to be their financial steward? Well, hello. No. <laughs> Why wouldn't they choose me? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I know. It's you. <laughs> right? No. I mean, I would say, number one, my passion for the company, my belief in the products. I think I do a good job of building relationships with people and being trustworthy and just, again, enthusiasm for what I do, belief in what I do. Those would be my main ones. Okay, good. Because I think sometimes we can go a little bit astray because we're not completely convicted in ourselves, you know, the confidence that we have in ourselves to be the right person to give out this information and to, to ask people to take certain actions. Um, okay. Number four, what beliefs do you hold about a system of organization and activity and how does that show up for you? Mm, well, this is a tough one because I know what Northwestern Mutual believes and what they would like me to do. Um, mm -hmm. I do believe that it is important to track activity. I do believe it's important to use CRM. I think it's a, you know, it's a great system. I know I should be using it more. I try to do the best that I can. There's probably some room for improvement in terms of how it shows up. I'd say I'm fairly organized. So I think I'm doing a, an average, maybe above average job of tracking um, and, and keeping my system organized. And I do think that that leads into my earlier beliefs I shared about being there for my clients. If they want, if they're going to trust me and want to do business with me, I think I need to be organized um, because it's professional and it's necessary. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Number five, this is the last one. What beliefs do you hold about goal attainment? Not goal setting, but goal attainment. Um, what factors affect whether or not you achieve your goal? Oof, that's a deep one. Um, I give that one some thoughts. So mm-hmm. what factors affect whether or not you achieve your goal? I know you said not goal setting, but I think it does start with that, right? If you don't set a goal to begin with. So I do think, um, Mm -hmm. you know, taking time out to set your goals is important. You know, accountability to yourself. So personal responsibility is an important value of mine. So I think that obviously impacts whether or not I achieve my goals. Probably tying my why to it, like understanding what hitting those goals gets me outside of just the goal itself, right? Like, where is it going to lead me long term? How does that get me to where I want to be in Mm -hmm. life? Yeah, those would just be a, sure. a couple. And that so that was the last one. So how do you feel having gone through these um areas of belief? How do you feel about that having had this conversation? Are we still role playing? <laughs> or do you, are you asking me as the yeah. person that just yes, went through we the role play? Okay. <laughs> um you know, I, I yes. mean it's making me think more deeply, I guess, about what's behind some of my decisions and some of my passion and some of my the actions that I take or that I don't take. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, for sure. I think it just gets the why behind the what. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, yes, exactly. And it just helps people. Uh, now we're not role-playing. <laughs> now we're seen. <laughs> so it really helps people um, understand their bigger philosophy, which kind of encompasses everything they do. And yeah. I think sometimes we don't, um, we don't always stop to really think about that what's, what's behind the scenes driving us forward, you know, whether we achieve a goal or not. I know mm-hmm. for me, I need a spreadsheet. If I don't have a spreadsheet or something I can mark off, um, it's way less likely to happen. Mm-hmm. And that's just a small thing, but it's a thing I know about attaining a goal. Yeah. I would say this exercise could definitely be much longer than then obviously our role yes. play. Uh, I was just kind of giving you surface answers. And of course, I was kind of going back and forth between should I be me, Heather Price, or should I be, you know, should I pretend to be an FR? Um, and I feel like I gave you, I mean, I already have, I feel, uh, strong passion and belief for Northwestern Mutual and for the products. I could see how it could be a very different conversation. I've had these conversations with FRs who didn't believe in the products. And that it, we realized it was a limiting belief. It limited their success in this business and their growth because they didn't have that passion and that belief. And so, again, I, I think in our role play, I gave you the positive aspect where I think you could it, it could be a very different conversation with an FR. And I think you might even have to, if you believe, we talk about this in our activity coaching clinics, if you feel it, ask it, right? So as a coach, if you feel like maybe their belief isn't there and they're saying it is, I do think it's our responsibility to kind of peel back the layers a little bit, right? Like lift up the cover, see what's under the hood um, and, and dig a little bit deeper and say, you know, I hear you saying this at the same time your activity is saying this. Help me, you know. Uh, um, Let's reconcile that. See why that, yes, help me reconcile yeah. that. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's, and this can also be used as like a Monday morning meeting exercise, like an ongoing training exercise where you have maybe 45 minutes to an hour and you do it even in a group, have people Mm -hmm. answer individually, but then talk about it as a group. But it is, it's important because when people, you know, people know what they're supposed to say. And that's why I think it's it's uh-huh. important to your point to dig deep because yes. if you ask somebody their what their six month goal is, they're going to tell you it's pace setter, whether it really is or not. Correct. You know, if you t- ask somebody if they believe in the products, they're going to tell you they do, whether they do or not. So yeah. digging deeper is this allows you to do that a little bit, and it leaves people thinking about it even after the conversation. 
Yes, absolutely. I love the questions of where do you think those beliefs come from, um, which gets to your earlier yes. conversations, right? About the the fourth or the four generators of beliefs, helping them understand what is it you know in your past that might be yeah. bringing on these beliefs, yeah. and and what can we do to potentially? First of all, I think a lot of it is awareness. I've had an FR who was struggling mm-hmm. majorly with um, prospecting and really getting personal observations, uh, and he actually had a. Um, some mm-hmm. side gigs where he was in contact with a lot of people. He had opportunities to get a lot of ref- um, personal observations and he just wasn't doing it. And when we dug into yeah. his personal beliefs, it was amazing what it uncovered. He shared with me that his parents had said years ago that it, you know, you should it's um, nosy. Don't be nosy. You shouldn't be asking people what they do for a career. You yeah. shouldn't be asking people yep. about their personal life. I mean, imagine the impact of that. If you're yep. going to be a financial rep, that goes against everything that we tell our FRs <laughs> to do, right? I mean, <laughs> right. we're like, get to know the person, ask questions. Absolutely. Um, and Absolutely. so when we uncovered that, it was like a light bulb And you bulb never moment. talk about money. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. yeah. yeah. You never so. talk about money, right? Well, this is all you talk about here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, exactly. yeah. So there's a lot, there's a lot more to it. Um, and so I, that's why I think it's just really important to, to dig into that and have those conversations with your FRs because it can be incredibly helpful to them as well Yeah, and help them succeed faster once they're very clear about what they believe and positive and negative and how that is either helping them or getting in the way. Mm-hmm. So Powerful um, stuff. Awesome. Okay. Well, um, that concludes our episode today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it gives you some uh, food for thought. We'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us today for Activity Coaching Conversations with Heather and Sabina. If you found value in this conversation, please like, share, and leave a review in your favorite podcast app. And to learn more about our activity coaching clinics and how to hone your skills, visit heatherpriceconsulting.com. Link is in the show notes. Thanks again for listening. Keep learning and growing.